It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Monday episode of Locked On Raptors, the Toronto Raptors are back, baby, and they were in a big way as they took down the Utah Jazz 114-82 in Edmonton in their preseason opener. We will dig into my big takeaways from the game. We'll talk about Precious Achua, and maybe he's just a wing now? It's very intriguing. We'll get into that, plus a brand new segment, the good, the bad, and the... Hmm, that's all coming up on today's episode of Lockdown Raptors. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1253, I think, of Lockdown Raptors for Monday, October the 3rd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of Post Touches, a Toronto Raptors blog and newsletter, which you can subscribe to right now for his post coming down on Friday. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Lockdown Raptors, and you can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free on all your favorite podcast apps. We're also on YouTube. You can watch the show in video form each and every day by just going to the Lockdown Raptors YouTube channel, hitting the big red subscribe button, and you'll forever be in my my good graces if you go ahead and do that. So thanks in advance. If you've already done it, thank you. You're the best. Uh, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Locked on NBA. All right. On today's show, we are digging in to the Toronto Raptors 114-82 preseason win over the Utah Jazz, a very poorly dressed Utah Jazz team, which we will talk about a little bit later on. Uh, We're going to dig into my big takeaway from the game. I want to talk about Precious Achua, who has me feeling all kinds of things going into this season, and we'll debut a brand new segment that we'll do after each and every Raptors game this year. It's the good, the bad, and the... 
hmm, where I look at a good thing from the game, a bad thing from the game, and something that has piqued my interest. We'll get to that at the end. But let's begin with my big takeaway from the game. And look, it's a preseason game. All caveats apply. It doesn't mean anything. Really, this time a year ago, we were talking about Sfima Hailuk, seventh man. So grains of salt sprinkled. I should have a salt shaker with me for this episode, really. It's all grains of salt. But I do think watching the Raptors last night take down the Utah Jazz, they pretty much got everybody who's on in the lineup and healthy into the game, everybody sort of showing off their inherent Raptorsiness. I think the big takeaway for me is that this team has a ceiling of top five defense or better. Like, it, it looked really smothering last night. And look, it's up against the Utah Jazz in the first preseason game. It's Mike Conley and Malik Beasley with a front court of Jared Vanderbilt, Kelly Olynyk, and Larry Markinen. It's not exactly the Harlem Globetrotters out there who the Raptors took down, but I do think we saw the extent to which their defense is going to give other teams problems. I posted this last night, suggesting that maybe the Raptors aren't going to lead the league in wins this year, but they will certainly lead the league in the number of times they've made their opponent want to drink bleach, because they seem like they're going to be a nightmare to play against. They're long, they're athletic, they're mean, and I just think you saw the sort of the, the heights of their of their defense and sections of the game last night. In the third quarter, they were totally smothering. They gave up 33 points in the entire second half. And that's not even with the main sort of guys playing very much in the second half. Pascal, I, I don't believe, played at all in the second half. Nor did Fred Van Vliet. Um, you know, they got Scotty in there for a little bit. I don't think OG played in the, in the second half either. Um, if he did, it was very sparing. And, you know, they, they just still kind of showed off what the identity of this team is going to do. And when you sort of replace lesser players with the kind of key guys on the team and they're playing the same style, stands to reason that the effectiveness is going to sort of hold up. I, I think the fact that they can play their hyper-aggressive style and seem like they can do it pretty well and the continuity of bringing back most of the minutes that were played last season by, I think like 92% of all the minutes played last year are being brought back this year, of course, Otto Porter Jr. is added to the mix. He didn't play last night with a hamstring thing that we'll keep an eye on. But I, I just think with the continuity they're going to have, the sort of understanding of Nick Nurse's schemes and what he's looking for, the super helter-skelter, highly aggressive defense where guys are overhelping and sending extra attention towards the ball, it's going to work this season in a way, like I think, better than it did last year just because... As you do it more, you get better at it. You understand the beats and rhythms of a defensive possession, kind of know where you're going to be. I also think they don't have to play that all the time. They can be a little bit more conservative. They can rely on switching and just sort of trusting that the dude who is on the ball is going to stay in front of the ball a little bit more. I also think that they're just so bloody good with their hands that even guys who you would think, oh, he's maybe overmatched, like there's always some sort of help on hand for a guy like, for example... Malachi Flynn, who had a really strong defensive showing last night, really great on the ball, and he's able to offer enough resistance that a sort of arm or three can kind of fly in and help him out once a guy sort of reaches the paint. I, I just, this is going to be a nasty, nasty team to play against. And if they continue to sort of build on what we saw last year at the back part of the season, where they were the sixth best defense after January 1st, there's no reason why this team can't be a top, top, top five defensive team. And the better this team gets defensively, I think that's only going to feed the feedback loop that we've talked about with this team for the last two years, where 
when their defense is forcing turnovers, their offense just gets out on the run and demolishes the other team just by, into submission mostly, just by volume of transition possessions. And it, it just makes it really difficult for a team to kind of hang on to the thread when the Raptors kind of get rolling. Um, obviously, the half-court offense will still have its issues, and I think the the starting five that we saw, the starters that we saw last year, the small ball group with Scotty essentially as the nominal five, certainly has its issues kind of breaking down a defense in the half-court, and that's something to keep an eye on for sure. But the defense is just going to be so event creating that I I think it's going to lead to really high transition numbers. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw this year's Raptors team put like a a record down for at least the the recorded synergy era, which dates back to 2015-16. I think we could see the Raptors challenge the record for highest transition frequency of any team in that era. The number one team in that department actually is the Toronto Raptors from 2019-20, a 21.6% transition frequency. Uh, That was, again, the season where they were on a 60-win pace before COVID shut everything down. They ran a ton, and they were really, really good at it. I could totally see this team challenging that number, the 21.6. I actually might put that as an over-under on our upcoming Over-Unders podcast with Vivek and Sahal that we'll record at the end of next week to drop the week after. Um, it just This is going to be a team that runs a ton because I, I don't know how you're supposed to play offense against them mistake-free. They're just in your face all the time. There's arms and rotations coming at you from all angles. It just seems like a nightmare to go up against. And that's that's honestly why, if you're bullish on this team winning a lot of regular season games, which I am. Look, I've you know said that I don't think they're going to be like the top two or three team in the Eastern Conference necessarily, but they could challenge for a three or four seed just because they are going to be an annoyance to play against on a random regular season night. And you have to account for that when you're sort of baking in a, a projected win total. This is the type of team that just wins regular season games because... A lot of the time, the opponent's caught unaware, or is just not up to it, or is on the second night of a back-to-back and just traveled in, and it's just like, I don't want to deal with this tonight. <laughs> it just, there's the human nature element of just coming up against something so bloody annoying and in your face that I, I just think, again, all the caveats, caveats applied to a preseason opener in which the Stars barely play, but it just feels like the defensive identity of this team is already set, which you don't often see for teams this early on. feels like the identity's been set since the offseason, and now we're getting to see it put into practice. It's really exciting, man, and I think a lot of the deep bench guys kind of showed really nicely as to how they can fit into the system as well, which has always been an issue for Nick Nurse, right? New guys come in, don't understand the system. Think back to Rondé Hollis-Jefferson and Stanley Johnson, for example, just kind of being thrown into the doghouse because they were not up to speed with the defense. Feels like maybe there's a little bit more understanding of what's going on from a lot of the guys in this group, and it should be very exciting if you're a Raptors fan. This team is going to go as its defense goes, and if it can flirt with top five on the defensive end, I think that's only going to help the offense. You know, if they're 10th on defense, that probably has a negative effect on their offense to the point where they're kind of floating around in, you know, the the bottom half of the league. If they're fifth, that means that they're probably forcing enough turnovers and high events, uh, you know, events on defense to go and run down the other team's throat as a result of, like, that's going to in turn improve the offense. So it is going to be kind of like a feedback loop type thing. It's all going to be interconnected. And a top five defense for this Raptors team could translate into what? Like the 11th, 12th, 13th best offense? In which case, 
you're looking at a team flirting with top 10 in both offense and defense, which is the spot you want to be. It's always the spot you want to be, and it's what suggests that your team is very, very good. So uh, really, really bullish on the defense. That hasn't changed or anything after watching one game. I felt that coming in, but kind of seeing it all in practice, seeing guys a little bit more schooled on how it all works, it's pretty encouraging, and I can't wait to see how this team's going to defend. Top five, I think, should be a reasonable goal for this team to, to hit. You know, again, they were sixth after January 1st last year. Really rough in the first half of the season, of course. Plenty of reasons for that. I think building on that close to the season last year is very, very much on the table. With that, we're going to continue on here and get into uh, my sort of takeaways on Precious Achua, who I am thrilled by, very excited by. He had a really fun game in the preseason opener, and I think there might be a different developmental track that we haven't quite considered with him that may be on tap here if things go a certain way. We'll get to that in just one second. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you don't that you have the access to the best qualified candidates available, and that's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs, baby. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's very easy. You can just go and create a job post. Someone as technologically literate as me can go ahead and do it. And you can set up your job post on LinkedIn Jobs right there. Then you just add your job in the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality candidates versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day, digging into your Toronto Raptors preseason opening win over a very, very, very bad Utah Jazz team that is going to absolutely stink this season. Shout out to the Locked On boss man, David Locke. He's going to be a hero for uh, experiencing this season on the sidelines. He was in Edmonton yesterday, by the way. That's a lot of fun. Um, the Edmonton crowd, by the way, looked amazing. Uh, that's been a market where... It's been cruising the last couple of years. The Edmonton Stingers of the CEBL have been really successful, two-time champions, um, and that's uh, a really very obvious basketball market. It's very cool to see the uh, the crowd and sort of how they came out to support the, 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 the squad last night. Well, it was nice to see Marcus Camby and Carlos Boozer in town, a couple of random guys who I never would have expected were there. Very cool as well. Uh, shout out to Edmonton, putting on a great show for the preseason game. All right, let's get into my thoughts on Precious Achua, shall we? Last night, the Raptors... Uh, potential starter, wing, a bench guy, six man. I don't really know what his role in this team is going to be just yet, but either way, Precious, 15 minutes played, 10 minutes, uh, sorry, 10 points, five boards, four of eight shooting, one of two from three. The three he hit was like a textbook, beautiful pick and pop three. I believe working with Scotty Barnes, it was delightful. Had a wonderful time watching that and just had a great time watching Precious just kind of expand 
his repertoire and have the ball in his hands and feel like he has the agency to go and make stuff happen with the ball in his hands. And look, it's not perfect all the time. There are misses at the rim. There are misreads. There are no passes really ever. But there's a lot to really like there. And the development from this dude over the last year has been pretty ridiculous to behold. And something kind of happened last night in my brain that made me sort of think maybe there's multiple ways this could go for Precious Achua. I think I've been on the board of, hey, start Precious Achua at center this season. Get him those reps. He needs to improve at center type things. And he also was just such a defensive monster that you pair him out there with Scotty, with OG, with Pascal, with Fred Van Vliet. I don't know who's scoring on that lineup on a regular basis. It could be one of the best defensive lineups in the NBA. And it's very small sample of minutes last season, it was literally the best defensive lineup in the NBA. A 100th percentile rating on cleaning the glass for that uh, potential starting five when it came to its defense. It wasn't very good offensively. Second percentile, that's of course something to consider here as well. But either way, that's kind of been the path I've envisioned is Precious Achua is a small ball five who can switch out on the perimeters, but uh, on the perimeter, but is primarily a center. And last night, watching Precious Achua get the ball on the catch, put it on the deck, and go drive to the rim. He had a couple of misses, a couple of makes, you know, sort of mixed results there. But watching him do that kind of made me think maybe there's another way this could go for Precious Achua. We, of course, know this Raptors team doesn't have a ton of guard depth, right? There's not a lot after Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr. that you really trust as your guards in your sort of traditional lineup orientations. And again, it's worth pointing out that this team defies traditional lineup orientations, and you probably shouldn't really put too much stock into the idea of, oh, that's the one, that's the two, that's the three, that's the four, that's the five. That's just not how this team's going to be wired, and that's not how this team thinks. And so you got to try to remove yourself from that sort of boxed-in thinking. But if you are looking for guys who can sort of play on the wings and do things that guards do, maybe this version of Precious Achua can do that. The thing he reminded me of, the guy he reminded me of last night watching him play, was Norman Powell, strangely enough. Think back to early Norm, where his real utility was as a guy who could catch the ball on the swing. Think back to that playoff series against the Bucks, for example, where uh, you know they come back from down 2-1 because they moved Norm into the starting five, and he's just this incredible fifth option who... A rotating defense has nothing for because the first step is too dynamic. He's getting downhill way too quickly. He's got the three-point shot you have to worry about as well. It was just a really, really nice dynamic piece for that Raptors team to have. And it kind of felt like I was watching a six-foot-nine version of Norman Powell, who can also play incredible defense in Precious Achua last night. It, it, you know, again, I think he's probably going to go down the big man track, right? Like He's got to figure out how to set his screens. We saw the pick and pop three last night. That's a huge weapon to have if you are a traditional big man. But I also saw wing skills on display last night. And if he can't figure out those center things, if he can't learn how to set a solid screen, if he can't become a target on the dive, if he can't do the things that you typically ask a traditional center to do, which again, the Raptors don't have traditional centers, but the way basketball works, you need guys who can do those things and have those skills in their bag. If it doesn't happen for Precious, and look, it could still very much happen. He's in year two in the Raptors system, year three overall. He's super young, super raw, and has a lot to, to sort of going for him. But if it doesn't happen, 
there still could be hope here that Precious Achu was a valuable piece in a different sort of role. And that could just be as a catch and drive and shoot wing. It's weird. This team is bizarre. It makes me have to like reconsider everything. But that's the type of guy Precious looked like last night. And again, there will be a lot in terms of him trying his trade as a center and as a traditional big and setting screens for guys and, and sort of trying to work as a downhill lob threat and things like that. That's all going to be part of what they ask him to do this year. But him being more of a wing type player does present some interesting options. If Kem Birch is going to look like he did last night where he looked a little bit more spry, didn't shoot well, just one of five, but he did look more quick on the defensive end, looked a little bit more like he could play the Raptors scheme than he did last year when, as he kind of talked about last week during the preseason press conferences and things like that, he was talking about how he was hurt all last year, had a meniscus injury that was not discovered until they went in early in the offseason. So maybe there's hope for Ken Birch to be more of the center the Raptors hope he can be. You throw also in Christian Coloco, who looked really impressive in his 17 minutes, three of five. He had three boards, seven points, um, you know, on the offensive glass with putbacks. Uh, he looks like he's got a little bit of juice to him. You know, obviously it's one preseason game. Once again, huge caveats, but he looked good. And if there's you know, a way that you can kind of change up the way your lineups look and have Precious play more of a wing guard type role and work Christian Coloco in, maybe that's an avenue to get Coloco into the lineup more often, to get Ken Birch into the lineup more often and sort of clear up that glut of centers that you have. Again, I think Precious is a big man. I think he's going to be treated as a big man, but there was just a little bit there in terms of wing stuff that got me a little bit intrigued last night by Precious and just the sort of profile of what he does, right? Like he's not a terribly great playmaker, which is something you'd like to have in your short roll big man, for example. Um, you know, he, he doesn't, he, he's kind of got a bit of a gunner spirit to him, honestly. Maybe that's kind of his home. Maybe he's a three in the NBA going forward, which would be insane. But like, he's got the athleticism to do it. If the handle comes along. If the downhill driving comes along, if the finishing at the basket comes along, which is a big if, then maybe you're looking at Precious Achua starting wing for the Raptors as opposed to a center. And that changes the complexion of whatever things are going to look like in the front court going forward. It's fascinating, but Precious is really exciting. I think if you are one of the people who's going to drop some money on Precious winning most improved player this year, probably not the worst bet today. Uh, Maybe do it before the odds get worse as he continues to show out in the preseason, which he very well could. Um, But like, just think back to what Precious was a year ago today. And the completely mysterious, raw dude with plenty of athletic ability, but like, can he play basketball type of player? That's not the case anymore. He very much looks like he's uh, primed for a big jump this season. And it doesn't even have to be a big jump. If it's just what we saw after the All-Star break last year over a bigger sample, I think you have to be absolutely thrilled about the, tr- the, the track that Precious Achua finds himself on. But again... There's maybe a world here in which this strange Raptors team sort of changes the outlook, changes the developmental curve for Precious, and if the center stuff doesn't come along, there's a wing future in Precious Achua uh, in his sort of, in the path laid before him that could potentially be taken as well. It's pretty interesting stuff. All right, we're going to continue on here, get into a brand new segment we're debuting on the podcast here. We're going to run it through all the seasons. It's going to replace the dude of the game, which I got tired of by the end of last year. Uh, it's the good, the bad, and the hmm, as I'll dig into a one good thing from the game, one bad note from the game, and one thing that made me say hmm. 
hmm, as we go forward here to try to spin it into the future. All right, we'll get to that in just one sec. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.net, your number one source for football betting all season long. Find the latest player developments, team matchup, news, podcasts, injury reports, in-depth articles, and analysis on every single game you can find. Be the informed wager. Don't just go throwing money down. Don't go and do your pro lines or whatever it might be without having all the information on hand. BetOnline is going to help you have all that information so you can go and make the smart wager to win yourself some bucks. That's what it's all about, isn't it? You also have other sports you can go and throw money down on too. they got everything you might need for MLB, MMA, boxing, golf. The NBA season's very soon. You want to do some futures bets. Great place to do it. Same goes for the NHL season as well. And with the Blue Jays playoffs coming up, you can do the happiness hedge, baby. It's my favorite thing in the world. You bet against the team you like, and if they lose, you get some money out of it. So it's not all that bad. If they win, who cares? It's all good. Either way, head to betonline.net. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action today. Bet online. It's where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we continue on here and we'll close out this show with the good, the bad, and the hmm. As we start a brand new segment here talking about every Raptors game throughout the season, let's begin with the good, shall we? The good for me in this one is Chris Boucher. Uh, He was really fun in this game. 11 points, uh, 10 rebounds as well in 14 minutes of action, 4 of 9 from the field, 1 of 3 from downtown. That 3-point shot coming back. Really one of the key storylines I'm keeping an eye on this season in the early going is can Chris Boucher be a 34% three-point shooter instead of a 29% three-point shooter? Can he be a viable catch-and-shoot guy in small volume? Like, we don't want to see Chris Boucher going back to taking a bunch of threes a game necessarily, I don't think, but... Can he be a viable three-point option when he's out there with spacing-starved lineups? That's going to be huge. Uh, And, you know, pretty nice returns last night. The defense is crazy. He is just everywhere. Is so built and tailor-made to play defense for this team. That was just fantastic to see him kind of pick up where he left off. There was always the possibility that the last four months of last season for Chris Boucher were an anomaly, that they were a contract year thing and, you know, things were going to revert back to the sort of the, the ways of before where he was just not that much of a winning player. Early returns, of course, just one game in the preseason, but looking pretty good that Chris Boucher is very much the player he was last year. And I just love the way, I think my favorite thing about Chris Boucher is the way he seems to just know where to be to leverage the Scotty Barnes or Pascal Siakam or Fred Van Vliet drives that draw so much attention, right? He's so good at like maneuvering in, in close quarters, sort of cutting into soft spots. He's kind of like perpetually in a state of sliding through a closing subway door is kind of the way I'd describe it, where he is always in cramped spots where he's going for offensive rebounds, he's battling under the bucket, but he can always find those spaces to seep in and catch a dump off pass, to cut in for a dunk or whatever it might be. He's just really, really good at that. He kind of has a good 
footwork and spatial awareness that I don't think he had in recent years, uh, at least before last season, and uh, really, really a, a huge value for a team that has a lot of guys who will drive and see a lot of attention. If you can have someone who can stand there to be a benefactor of that, that only stands to improve everybody's lot in life, make life easier for the guys who are doing the driving. Obviously, easy buckets for Chris Boucher underneath. Uh, really, really impressive stuff. I think Chris Boucher is not going to win six Man of the Year because he's not going to score enough to win it, and that's an award for buckets. But as I have made the argument before, like he was a more impactful bench player than any of the guys who were in the top three for six man of the year last season in terms of driving winning when he was on the floor. And he, to me, is like the thinking man six man of the year candidate. And I can't wait to see the sort of full season version of the back part of last year's Chris Boucher, who's fantastic. And he picked up right where he left off in this opener. The bad from this game. Those poor jazz jerseys, man. The poor jazz players who have to wear those jerseys. The poor jazz fans who have to watch those jazz jerseys every single night. What are we doing? They look like like high school jerseys for the team that like didn't have any money at their school because they're not very well funded. I know my high school had like very bad jerseys for this very reason. There's just no money for them. It's what the jazz look like. They're terrible. They didn't need to tank the jerseys in, all, in addition to the roster, but they have done so. I feel terrible. They were an absolute eyesore. Why are the numbers so big? Why is there no allusion to jazz in any way on the jersey? Uh, boy. And like the difference between those ones we saw last night, the black highlighter yellow lettering on the black, on the, on the black jerseys, the difference between those and the mountain jerseys, the mountain throwbacks they've been wearing as well. I saw Lowry Market in a press conference wearing one of those. It looked amazing. Why don't they just wear those? I don't know. Nike has done a really bad job with the NBA's jerseys. It's a thing that really bothers me. And this Jazz one hopefully is like the inflection point where people realize, okay, we got to stop letting Nike run rampant with this stuff. And hopefully some sort of solution comes through. I can't imagine there's going to be like any jazz jerseys of that ilk purchased by a jazz fan this year this horrible team no one's going to be playing for it why would you buy one of these ugly highlighter yellow high school to ash jerseys when you can just wait for them to get wise and remove them and get some good players on the team just brutal stuff uh horrible 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 don't wear those jerseys ever again in my presence they suck all right the hmm to close this thing out is Delano Banton with a little bit of touch. We saw that last night a little bit on display. 406 from the field, uh, 405 from two-point range. Um, you know, nine points, three boards, an assist, two steals. Kind of everywhere when he was in there for the Raptors. He was a plus 15 in his minutes, one of the better marks on the team. Tied for the best mark on the team, that is, over the course of this game. And for me, Delano Banton, with any amount of touch or any amount of understanding of how to run an offense, like, he's on the team. There's this sort of job battle that's going on right where two of five players in dj wilson josh jackson gabe brown justin champagne or delano banton are sort of presumably fighting it out for those last couple of roster spots delano banton's on this team what are we talking about he introduced the the team to the crowd last night in edmonton he is the kipling express 45 man like Everybody loves Delano Banton, and he's also seemingly a pretty good basketball player. Nick Nurse talked about how Banton uh, was one of the better players in all of training camp last week and kept on popping. 
Like, he's making this team. This is not a battle for two spots anymore. This is maybe a battle for one spot. And the only reason I think it's maybe a battle is that we didn't see Justin Champagne play last night. He's hurt right now. He missed the game. Sucks for him. I still think it's his job to lose. He should get that spot. He did a lot for the team last year. That is exactly what the Raptors look for. And they invested him, invested him by sending him down to the G League, having him run the show down there for, for stretches. It just feels like Champagne should be on this team. And the things he offers are valuable things the Raptors could use. I also just don't know if DJ Wilson is going to pop for me. It just doesn't really do it for me all that much. Um, same honestly goes for uh, Josh Jackson, although he looked pretty good in his in spots last night. The defense looked there. It's kind of amazing to see guys like Josh Jackson and DJ Wilson, Gabe Brown, kind of already seemingly knowing what the Raptors do on defense and at least doing their best to perform the tasks asked of the Raptors defensively pretty well. Um, you know, some hit and miss on offense for Josh Jackson. Like, he's not a bad player necessarily. He would probably make a lot of teams in the NBA, but this one just feels like it's a tough one to make. And I just don't see... For uh, Banton's on this team. Like, I, I cannot imagine him getting cut at this point, especially after his performance last night. Uh, and then when it comes to Justin Champagne, he just feels like he should be there over these other guys. who we've, we've just seen more of Champagne, how he sort of fits what the Raptors are looking for. I hope we see Champagne make the team. He is, I guess, the one guy potentially on the chopping block right now because Banton's making it. Non-guaranteed deal or not. Like, it, I would be totally stunned if he's not there. And if he looks like he did last night, maybe there are actually some minutes there for Banton to carve out at some point here as uh, the Raptors head into the season. Either way, that's going to round it out for today's episode of the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back again tomorrow as we'll continue to kind of examine the big picture storylines going into the season. Uh, we got game recaps, of course, on tap as the Raptors have a couple more preseason games this week, too. All very exciting stuff. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please subscribe, follow, rate, and review the podcast for free on your favorite podcast apps. And go make your second listen of the day. Locked on Blue Jays, as the Jays are very close. Potentially, at the end of today, could be locking up that number one wildcard spot to host the first round wildcard series. Very exciting. Ben Shulman, Matt Bonaparte, walking you through the things over there on Locked on Blue Jays as they head into the season. Playoff roster talk. Uh, who's going to start certain playoff games. All that good stuff is going to be on there. So go check it out. And we'll be back again on Tuesday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.